Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. Um, we've talked a little bit on the pad- podcast already um, about this, but basically there is this kind of, I would say, not so subtle underlying mantra behind a lot of the issues that our world is facing um, today and the church as well. And it's this belief that as individuals, we have the right to determine what we do with our bodies and how we use our bodies. We've discussed how this idea has really shifted the way that we think about sexuality, you know, who we sleep with, what gender we identify with. Um, we've also determined, we've also talked about how this position kind of determines how we think about, you know, contraception and abortion. But I want to, I was going to say like step out of the line of fire. I don't know if that's exactly what we're doing, but maybe step outside of those conversations and examine maybe how some more commonplace implications of this belief, maybe some way applications of it that are a little bit more mainstream, even among Christians. Particularly, I want to explore whether it's okay for a Christian to get a tattoo, to get cosmetic surgery, and so on. So in other words, I guess the question I'm asking is, how much are we allowed to manipulate our bodies? So before we get into the specifics, though, do you have any kind of overarching principles, Jim, for how we might address a topic like this, or is it really like a case-by-case, person-by-person basis? I think this is a great way to start this conversation because I think there is a foundational principle when it does come to this uh, these topics. Uh, before we get into the scriptures and before we get into case studies and before we get into specifics, uh, and I, I would just say it's the principle of wisdom. You know, is it the wise thing to do? Uh, is it a smart thing to do? Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. Uh, for example, tattoos don't come off easy. Uh, a lot of reconstructive surgery, cosmetic surgery, is not easily undone or at least cheaply undone. And uh, what you want, for example, stick with tattoos, what you want inked on your body when you're in high school may not be what you want when you're married and you're 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting I heart David on your arm at 15 may not go over well when you start dating George at 23. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it can cost well over a thousand dollars to have even a small tattoo removed and that would take multiple sessions and uh, a lot more if it's a larger tattoo, you know, like a sleeve or a bodysuit or something. I was talking to a nurse once at a doctor's office, and uh, I noticed he had a large carnation flower tattoo on her arm. And a lot of times I'll use tattoos to strike up conversations with people. I'll say, oh, what's the story behind that? Or tell me about that meaning or something like that. And she said, uh, and I just said, well, that looks like a carnation. I said, is there a, is there a story there? And she said, actually, it's a cover-up tattoo for what used to be there. Oh. And she said, yes, there's a story and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a cover up. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Gosh. Well, okay. Well, let's stick with the topic of tattoos then. You know, at one time, you know, a Christian with a tattoo would have been accused of apostasy. You know, that is hardly the case now, though. So, but the Bible does talk about tattoos. I mean, specifically, there's a lot of conversations that we've had in which I mean, we've kind of said, like, the Bible doesn't mention this particular subject, but, you know, there's there are principles here. But it actually really does talk about tattoos and about how God's people should not have them. So what's the big deal biblically with tattoos? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not one who would say that Christians shouldn't have them. And I don't think that's the Bible's teaching, uh, at least in most cases. When it comes to tattoos, there's only one reference, one clear reference, 
but it had, a, I think, a very clear, direct cultural meaning that doesn't apply to many people today. And uh, But I'll, let's go ahead and talk about it. It comes from a listing of various um, laws that were given to the people of Israel in the Old Testament as chronicled in the book of Leviticus. And in Leviticus 19.28, it says, it talks about not cutting your body for the dead. And then it goes on to say, and don't mark your skin with tattoos. Um, and so what is that about? You know, marking your skin for the dead and tattoos and all that. Um, here's what it's about. In those days, there was an ancient cultic practice, a pagan practice, uh, of marking and cutting your body as part of a, of a death service, as part of a, of a funeral service. And it was a cultic kind of thing, and you did it in relation to the realm of the dead. It was a it was a pagan mourning practice that was tied to ancestor worship, and also a way that some of them thought that they could conceal themselves if they had this tattoo, conceal themselves around a dead person and the spirits that that dead person might uh, represent or that might be present around that dead person. It was all about engaging with the spirit world. And again, it was very cultic in its practice. So this wasn't about at all about any marking of the body or tattoos in general, like a verb, just kind of like this across the board, never get a tattoo. It was a very specific kind of marking that signified your involvement in a pagan ritual. Uh, the Bible says, don't do that. And I think that's pretty clear, obviously, why you wouldn't as a Christian. Uh, but if your tattoo doesn't participate in that kind of branding, uh, or signify that kind of engagement with the cultic practices of another god or false religion, then biblically, it's not really an issue. Uh, it goes without saying that anything that you put on your body should, um, for public consumption, should honor Christ, or at least should not dishonor him. But other than that, it's a matter of personal freedom. But <clears throat> based on what you said, just because we can get a tattoo and not be violating God's law. Like, I, I want to go back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast. Like, this is just, this is about wisdom. But unfortunately, like, I just don't know that a lot of us, especially in a culture that we live in with so much information, that really we know how to make wise choices sometimes. Like, I think about, you know, the scripture in the Bible that talks about how yes, might be permissible or everything might be permissible, but it's not beneficial. So is there a reason why you think that getting a tattoo, even if you can, like, would it be a good thing to do? And while we're on the topic, like, I'm going to go ahead and throw out, you know, add body piercings in here too. Like anything that turns our body into like an art canvas or a memorial of sorts or like a billboard, you know, promoting something, like can a Christian ascribe more honor to God or like witness to the world by way of a tattoo or a piercing? It's an interesting question. Uh, and I, I think that it raises a broader issue culturally and, and the role of tattoos in culture, which may not have been where you wanted to go, but I want to go there because I think that that's a, a very important, you know, it's often it's, 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 uh, it's just not talked about very much because, Hey, look, tattoos have just exploded onto the cultural scene. There was actually, interestingly, you and I were talking about this offline, how there have been several articles in the Atlantic, mm -hmm. which is a, a, a leading cultural uh, periodical uh, of late about tattoos. I mean, like whole sections on tattoos, uh, partly generated by new findings 
about the side effects medically on our bodies, which I think was the article that you and I were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, and again, we'll give you links to all of this in the in the show notes. But the medical side of the story was that how we're finding that when you 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 stick ink filled needles into your skin, your body automatically defends itself. It, it sees that as a, an invasion, as a as a as a something to be attacked and to be removed. And scientists aren't sure if that's good or bad when it comes to a tattoo. In fact, there's a, a lot we're just still not sure about. For example, we're not sure what makes certain tattoos fade fast and, and why others stick around when they're supposed to disappear and they don't. Uh, that's another thing that's alarming to people. Some of those that are non-permanent, they're not going away, uh, they're finding. Or how certain tattoos react to light. One of the strangest and least studied enigmas is how tattoos survive at all. Uh, Our immune system is constantly doing all it can to destroy them. And understanding why it fails holds a lot of interest to those who study uh, the human immune system. But because if you think about it, this is why burns heal, scars fade, scabs shrink and eventually, you know, fade away. Uh, Not so much with ink. It's interesting. Uh, but, uh, let's get back to the cultural side of things. As the Atlantic articles point out, uh, tattoos were once a sign of outside status, outsider status, and that's changed in the 21st century. As one person wrote, my doctor has both of his arms totally sleeved. And I have a friend who's a corporate lawyer and she's working on her bodysuit. Uh, tattoos have just found a home in the mainstream with millennials holding the title of the most tattooed American generation in history. Uh, but I will not ask you to divulge whether you have any, my millennial friend, but you are the most tattooed generation. And by the way, the specific figures are that now one out of every five people in the U.S. have at least one tattoo. And among millennials, that jumps to four out of every 10, 40 percent. And this is something that until, and get this, a lot of people don't realize this, but until 2006, getting a tattoo was illegal in most places. It was illegal in many states and uh, by 2006. Uh, for, uh, so, you know, this is a rapid cultural change. Now, for some, uh, a lot of that was for hygiene issues. You know, they, were, they, they just wanted to control it for hygienic things. But for some, uh, tattoos are a marker of personal identity. Uh, there was some research from the mid 2000s that um, suggested that tattoo uh, owners seemed to need proof that their identities mattered at all or even existed at all. Mm-hmm. And they relied on tattoos as a way to establish some kind of understanding of who they actually were. Others have written how tattoos are um, thrilling. Mm-hmm. Just the whole process is like a thrill. One person was said that part of the magic of tattoos for them was the emotional roller coaster, the rush of adrenaline from a, a fresh wound and the giddiness of showing a new tattoo to friends and the amount that that moment of panic uh, at having possibly made a difficult to fix for life mistake. Uh, perhaps the most telling cultural comment that I think I, I ever ran across uh, was from a woman who actually worked at it. She was a tattoo artist in New York City. And she said it used to be that you got tattooed to be on the outside. And she said, now you get tattooed to be on the inside. Hmm. Uh, it's the hip, popular cultural thing to do. 
Uh, one comment that I found very intriguing was one person who said that permanent tattoos are also kind of this small admission that plenty of decisions you make every day can't be meaningfully reversed. And even if you can't see the results in your skin. But let's move back to the Christian side of things. Um, I mean, you're free to pursue this. Um, not, but just with, not just with the wisdom, but, you're free to, but you need to pursue this in a way that honors God. Uh, let's remember the overarching biblical idea, the one that you mentioned at the, the beginning as well. The idea is that, you know, uh, in our world, it's this idea that we own our bodies, that we're in charge of our bodies and that they're ours to do with as we please. That's just simply not a Christian idea. That's simply not a biblical idea. You don't own your body. It's a, your body is a gift that you are managing for the owner. As Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, I mean, he said, you know, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, who lives in you, was given to you by God. Uh, you don't belong to yourself. You know, you were bought with a high price. So honor God with your body. That's an alien idea in our world. So um, could you get a tattoo as a Christian? Kind of to go back into one aspect of your question to purposefully as a witness to identify with the world. Well, sure. Uh, could you do it to um, as a communication starter? You know, well, sure. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure that's why I would use it, but yes, I mean, you know, if, of course it can be used in those ways. But the broader cultural conversation about tattoos is fascinating to me in terms of how it's just exploded on the scene. It's just a very it's really not a communal thing; it's a very individualistic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that too. Okay, well, while we're on the topic, let's just. <laughs> keep on the same, I don't know, th- line of thinking, but I want to shift to cosmetic surgery. You know, this is all facelifts and tummy tucks and Botox and gosh, it was big a couple of years ago it was calf injections, you know, and, and then of course, you know, you throw breast enhancements in there, all of it. Okay. Because again, like tattoos, maybe not to the same degree, but they're become, it's becoming more and more commonplace. And the spectrum of clients is now wider than ever. You know, whereas a lot of cosmetic surgery used to be targeted to kind of middle-aged audiences as an effort to preserve your youth. Like that's just not the case anymore. Like younger and younger men and women are using it, not like just to only preserve their youth, but also to give their youth an improved look, right? So can you spend some time talking about what the Bible might have to say about this? And kind of like you did with the with your response about tattoos, like what are some of the underlying heart issues that we need to be aware of? Yeah. Let's go back to our wisdom principle, uh, because wisdom is even more important, I think, to think through when it comes to cosmetic surgery. And here there's an important wisdom question that is seldom wrestled with. Um, why do you want to do this? Why? Why? Why do you want bigger breasts? Why do you want a shot of Botox for wrinkles? Why do you want that nose job? Because there's no doubt you're free to do it. You're free to do it. People who say it's wrong. Uh, because it's not natural, you know, that it goes against the way your God-given body naturally is. Uh, Well, I almost want to kind of say, okay, let's not be hypocritical, though, uh, because you don't seem to have a problem doing other things against a body's natural bent, uh, like shaving your legs, (laughs) dyeing your hair, uh, thinning out those eyebrows, wearing braces for teeth, or getting a hip replaced. Uh, so let's let's make sure that we're being consistent here. Uh, the real question is, why are you doing this? And and I'm going to go at this pastorally, so so hang with me on this. There's a difference between getting reconstructive surgery, 
say, following a mastectomy uh, and getting breast augmentation because you think it will help you attract someone. Uh, there's a difference between getting excess skin removed uh, because you lost 100 pounds and getting liposuction for spring break. Mm. There's a difference between getting rid of premature frown marks maybe on your face and using Botox to try and cling to your youth. In other words, if you're looking to cosmetic surgery to never grow old, to cater to vanity, or to superficially try to solve a problem, either socially or relationally, that is anything but superficial, uh, that's probably not wise. And here's why. It, it's making your body everything. Uh, and you're making fixing your body the, in, the answer to life's issues. Hmm. And it never will be the answer. Uh, it, it's tying your body to your sense of self-worth. And it's whether you can or be loved or be accepted by other people. It's making it the essence of what will make you happy or what will make you whole. Uh, when we think, you know, breasts and Botox will determine whether we'll be loved and accepted and popular and successful or happy, uh, we've made what it means to be a person of value into something terribly superficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've cheapened ourselves and we've cheapened who, who God has made us to be. And if you're a girl and and you say, yeah, but, you know, guys are attracted to this. Well, if there is a man out there who will only love you, marry you, cherish you and give his life to you because of a physical aspect that you have to cosmetically augment. uh, He's not worth you. Yeah. Uh, If he's that superficial, he's just he's just not worth you. And you need to do better and you can do better. And besides, let me just kind of <laughs> take a little bit of counsel from an old, old guy. Um, marriage is hopefully for a marathon. Mm-hmm. And whatever might be nice to fix now, it ain't going to stay fixed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to go away at some point. And uh, the relationship better run a lot deeper than that. Sure. And scripture speaks to this. I love the passage in first Peter where it says, don't be concerned about outward beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that depends on, on hairstyles and, and cosmetics and jewelry and all these kinds of things, clothing, you should be known for uh, the beauty that um, it talks about coming from within, from inner beauty, mm-hmm. you know, that radiates from the inside out, the unfading beauty. I've always loved that one phrase. I hope I'm getting it right. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Yeah. Um, and, um, so, uh, and that can't be surgically constructed. Mm -hmm. And it's also, if you're in the dating market, the most beautiful thing that you could ever bring to a relationship and the most attractive thing and the most alluring thing. I read something once from a young woman who was struggling with all of this, like, uh, a lot of young women do, um, and wondering what to do and how it played out with following Christ. And she wrote what I thought was a wonderful exploration of it. And knowing that you wanted to talk about this today and, and we're serving it up. I, I dug it up and uh, cause I remember reading it a few years ago. And so we'll put the link in the show notes to this, but let me just, let me just read what she said. She said, I discovered beauty was all around me. If I'd stop looking in the mirror long enough to see it, beauty was in the people with gaps in their teeth and not in their thighs. Beauty was in people with wrinkles by the sides of their eyes, proof they'd laughed hard all their lives. 
Beauty was in the calloused hands of men who toiled deep and held their babies tenderly. Beauty was in the split ends of a hard-working mama's hair. Beauty was in the soft belly and swollen breasts of a new mother. Beauty was in the pot belly of a well-fed and well-loved man and in the sparkling eyes of his adoring wife. Beauty was in the shoulders of a young man who spent more time carrying the burdens of his friends than in the gym sculpting muscles. Mm. Isn't that well put? That's beautiful. So while some cosmetic surgery can be a gift of modern medicine and Christians are free to pursue it, they should always ask themselves why. Because your body is, is not a gift of God to you for your own sake, but a gift of God to you for his. And, and here's, how, here's how that young woman finished her essay. Let me just get this last part in. She says, I have to repent for judging the size of my thighs and nose and lips and the unruly hair. Because the truth is, this body is not the gift of God to me, but for him. My body is not a tool to sharpen and shape. It is a tool for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the feet that bring good news, the eyes that stare in the eyes of hurt people, the hands that minister healing, the body that curves itself to the brokenness it is surrounded by. And, and let me just add something else. One of the great questions in all of human thought is who am I? It's the ulti- one of the foundational philosophical questions. Who am I? And the answer is, is obviously fast becoming, I don't know. Yeah. People say, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. And we've made ourselves everything. At the same time, um, we've been forgetting what it means to be human. We've made ourselves the center of everything, simultaneously lost sight of the answer to who am I? Mm-hmm. It's as if our embrace as a result of plastic surgery has led to a sense of being plastic ourselves, stripped of any sense of innate worth or innate identity. If human beings have no fixed essence or permanent essence, if we're plastic, if we're subject through technology to alteration and enhancement and mutation and control, then we do with ourselves whatever we want. And that's exactly what we have done. But that's not who we are. We're not, we're not plastic beings. We're men and women who have been made in the image of God and given life by God and a body by that God. And so before you ink it or alter it, first and foremost, begin by submitting it uh, as an act of worship to the God who gave it to you. I, I, yeah, I guess I, I'm just still reeling over the um, what you read. I think that was just so beautifully put. I'm just kind of thinking about how, yes, like we do want to be moldable, but in whose hands we are molded is such an important part of that conversation. Like we should not be moldable in our own hands or in the hands of a plastic surgeon, but, you know, moldable in the hands of a God who loves us and who knows what he's fashioning us for and like have a moldable spirit as opposed to a multiple body. That's really interesting. Well, okay. So well, like, you know, I mean, like, 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 like I, I, I remember Malcolm Muggeridge uh, wrote a wonderful little book called something beautiful for God. Mm-hmm. And part of it was about a person's life who was doing things, something beautiful for God, but also who he would say themselves were beautiful. And it was mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. 
And in the world's eyes, she was anything but beautiful. But in God's eyes and in the eyes of so many who looked at her differently, she was the most beautiful, radiant woman that they've ever seen. Mm. You know, uh, I, and I think we would feel that way about Mary mm -hmm. with Jesus. I mean, if you, if you, if, I mean, she came from a poor area, poor family, it may have been someone that nobody else wanted to marry and ended up marrying. I mean, Joseph's history is a little sketchy, but he could have been a widow. He could have been quite old. For whatever reason, uh, nobody wanted Mary. We don't know what she looked like, yeah. but we often make her to be something that would be on the cover of Vogue. I doubt, I doubt it seriously. Yeah. Uh, Jesus himself was nothing particular to look at, Scripture says. And yet, I, I think that if we were to have seen her, she would have been one of the most beautiful women we'd ever seen. Sure. And I think that's that gentle and quiet spirit coming from within. But anyway, mm -hmm. go back to where go back to where you were going. I left us. I left. I took us a field. Well, and maybe you maybe you answered this already. But I guess I was wondering. So, in light of all that we've just talked about, or you've just said, are there instances in which cosmetic surgery would be okay or even good for a Christian to pursue? Oh, I think so. I think so. Uh, I mean, I I would say getting reconstructive surgery following a mastectomy, getting excess skin removed because you just lost hundred pounds. Some of these I just mentioned, you know, a parent getting surgery for a child who has a cleft palate, mm. um, uh, treating acne, uh, and preventing scarring for life. And just that painful time of puberty with a job, skin grafts for a burn victim. Mm. Uh, the list goes on and on, but if there's one thing in common with those procedures is that it's not really rooted in vanity as much as it is in healing and in restoration and in, and recuperating from something that may have been debilitating. I'm not saying there isn't a place for augmentation or or Botox or 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 facelifts or liposuction. I'm really not trying to make people feel bad if they've done that or feel like, oh my gosh, if I do that, I'm being superficial. Um, I mean, e even if if a if a married couple if if they both agree this is something that's important to them and important. I mean, I, that, okay, it, that's I'm not trying to denigrate that at all. Just be wise with the motivation. Mm -hmm. Uh, be spiritual in the motivation. Uh, don't give in to worldly standards of beauty or superficial standards of self-worth. There is a beauty in aging, not only gracefully, but naturally as God intended. Well, I want to chase that a little bit then, I guess, for my last question, because I'm not sure that I always know or that many of our listeners know kind of where that line is drawn between, you know, something like that's more invasive, like cosmetic surgery, with just kind of everyday ways in which we try to bring about this, I don't know, similar kinds of results, you know, of making ourselves more attractive or preserving your youth. Like you mentioned things like getting braces. I mean, I'm thinking of like just putting on makeup every day or using anti-aging cream or hair dye or teeth whitening trays, you know, all of that. Like what's, what's the difference? Where's that line? Yeah. I'm not overly hung up on all those things. I, I don't think those are even the issue. Uh, although I would contend for all of us who follow Christ to ground ourselves in a different view of them than the world suggests. Specifically, I would say when it comes to aging, I mean, we're like the, the world's motto is fight aging mm -hmm. at all costs. Aging's the great evil. And, you know, a little gray hair around the edges is like the one thing you want to get rid of somehow. I, I recently did a series, uh, not that I have that. Um, <laughs> I recently did a series on the uh, seasons of life, you may remember. Yeah. 
And I talked about how it's often during the 40s that this war really begins in earnest. Uh, our fight against aging comes to maybe a head almost then. Right now, nearly 60% of all American adults invest in anti-aging products. And uh, 2021 alone, the global anti-aging market was estimated to be worth over, what, two, $62 billion? Mm -hmm. This massive sum. It's going to be over $90 billion in just a handful of years by 2027. We don't want to get old. And if we have to get old, we don't want to look old. Uh, But I would argue as a a person who is on the older side of things, and so I'm not saying this in a way that's that's easy, cavalier, like a younger person saying this to an older person. You ought to age gracefully. I'm saying this as an older person. That aging is not only a fact of life, but I think it's something to be embraced in light of our true identity. And, and let me just tell everyone what I hope they already know. Who you are is not about how you look. It's just not. I mentioned that wonderful passage from Peter earlier. I mean, people ought to just get it written down. It's First Peter 3, if you want to look it up. And uh, about that gentle and quiet spirit and what really matters, the outward beauty that doesn't depend on all of these other things. That's the target on the wall. Um, and it reminded me of something else that I, I dug out knowing that we were going to be talking about this. Um, Something the actress Jennifer Garner uh, was once asked, <clears throat> and I don't know her personally, but from afar, I've always liked her. And I know that uh, I've read that she's a Christian woman and that um, and her faith is very important to her. And I think she's one of those actors, actresses that I've always considered to be a class act. But regardless, she was once asked for beauty advice. And this is what she said. My beauty advice is always the same. Look in the mirror less, obsess less, look at the rest of the world to see what you'd be using your time for instead. Mm. We all look at our faces more than people used to, and it doesn't do you any good. Mm. (laughs) She's so right. The fundamental identity of every human being is so much deeper. Uh, What gives us worth? What gives us value? Real beauty something so much more than youth. It's being a child of God. I love that. Thank you for this conversation. It makes me think of how, you know, being made in the image of God, you know, when you think of like image, our mind, you know, immediately goes to the physical, but it's, I mean, being made in the image of a spirit God, I mean, it eliminates any trace that that could be the case, you know, that there was anything about our worth or our value that depended on our physical bodies or the way that, yeah, the way that we look. I think, I don't know, it's just a very beautiful truth of the way that that phrasing works. Yeah. Thank you. This is fun. I mean, I, I'm i sure our listeners with tattoos and they're all going to have lots of things to say, but, um, but no, this is, this is really fun. So I hope that we'll do some more of these. I've got a couple of other topics for Is It Okay for a Christian too? So maybe we'll tackle some of those in the upcoming weeks or yeah, future episodes. But thanks, Jim, for chasing this rabbit with me. And thank you guys for listening as always. I hope this was helpful, entertaining, all the things. So thanks. And we hope that, that you'll tune in again next week.